0: Welcome to the Student Affairs Spectacular, the weekly podcast giving you a front row seat to the greatest student affairs show on earth. And now your ringmasters, Tom Kriegelstein and Dustin Ramsdell. Well, hello there. Welcome to the Student Affairs Spectacular podcast. Dustin here, and this is episode number 51 with Liz Gross, who is a social media and market research strategist at... Uh, Great Lakes Higher Ed Corporation. Uh, She works outside of a a particular higher ed institution, but um, she has a lot of great things to say about social media and communication, marketing, all that good stuff. Uh, She just wrote an awesome book about how to sort of build your own plan if you're uh, overseeing the social media communications at your institution. So um, you have that linked in the show notes. It's a really great book. I read it myself. I highly recommend it. Um, Liz was super awesome to talk to, um, really had some great insights, and uh, hopefully after listening to this episode, you will feel inspired to advocate for the value of social media and all its analytics and metrics and data and all that good stuff that I can offer uh, your institution and uh, just all of that data, but also just the uh, pure value and sort of getting your message out to students uh, where they are and um, in a very efficient fashion versus your traditional flyers and all that other sort of uh, analog sort of stuff, so... Uh, definitely listen uh, for a lot of great perspectives, a lot of great examples of institutions that do social well. Um, And yeah, connect with Liz at all the other stuff we have there in the show notes for her, uh, her contact info and her site and all that awesome stuff. And as always, I encourage you to click on over to the iTunes store, leave us some ratings and reviews, uh, leave us some love. And uh, you might even get a shout out on an upcoming episode. uh, If we connect uh, with you in the near future, we'll have more details about some promotions and coupons and, uh, codes that will be given out to folks who are uh, leaving us ratings and reviews. It's just stuff that helps us uh, reach a wider audience. So we want to give back to you for giving to us uh, with your ratings and reviews. So uh, without further ado, this is episode number 51 with Liz Gross.
1: Not too bad, although the wind outside is making me think my house might blow away.
0: <laughs> yeah, the weather just, because I've also started like look at what weather's like other places in the country and it's like crazy here in the northeast and it seems like it's really warm out west and then just everywhere's a little bit wonky uh whatever the hell is going on with like fronts and stuff like
1: (laughs) yeah we definitely don't have the snow i would normally expect for wisconsin in february but it if we got hurricanes i'd say (laughs) there's something going on out there
0: right yeah nothing would be a surprise like yeah of course we're getting like a hurricane or something like uh, yeah i don't know just like (laughs) um and are you are you originally from the midwest like is that where you kind of grew up and uh, were raised
1: yep born and raised in wisconsin only lived outside of the state for just under a year okay um
0: yeah because i was i was born up here in maine where i am now but i've never lived here so it's been really interesting sort of uh experiencing the dramatic changes in seasons because like the spring and summer are beautiful and then it just gets like especially i guess just this year it's like just bitterly cold and snowy and all that good stuff so
1: yeah every year i question why i stay i mean i like it <laughs> and, but there's this like seven months of terrible so.
0: right yeah like during this like why am i here but then like once it's really awesome you're like oh this is why i am here. yes <laughs> um so yeah appreciate you uh jumping on to chat about stuff real quick and because uh, i think this is just neat because i i recently read your book and i was just a big fan of it um and i think it was just uh it was really well put together and really well sort of uh like it just was very understandable i guess like I, I sort of have a basic understanding of these things but it was just it was put together in a very clear way i feel like and i just breezed through it and had some great stuff so uh, i figured i'd reach out to see if you'd want to chat about that and other stuff so uh, i appreciate you taking some time out for the podcast oh yeah thank you uh so we will start as we always do um and just give a quick introduction of yourself and sort of the story of how you got to be where you are today
1: all right. Uh, well, I started working in higher ed in. Gosh, I should have written this year down. Uh, in two thousand and five, in June of two thousand and five, I was a year out of college, and I had taken a job at a nonprofit and really missed being on campus. Because in college, I had you know the RA experience and student leader experience, and really enjoyed being on campus and had wanted to stay. But the job market was not so great at that point. Mm-hmm. So I, I took a job at a nonprofit in Washington, D.C., and then. Um, was still working in the field of higher education, but didn't spend any time on campuses. So the first chance I got, I I took an opportunity in higher ed. I actually had two great opportunities come my way. I was the program outreach coordinator at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee in the university housing department. And then at the same time, I started my college student personnel graduate program at Marquette. So the next uh, four years were working full-time and going to school part-time and learning a lot and working with some amazing people. And my role at UW-Milwaukee was uh, a combination of, of supporting RA programming and university housing, but also doing our marketing and outreach. So I oversaw the website and I represented us at orientation and campus preview days. And part of my work with marketing led me to start thinking about how we could use social media. In, in our work with students, and at the time, this was about 2009. Um, you know, folks were folks were on Facebook. You know, in Wisconsin, it took a little bit longer for us to get on, but everyone was on by then. <laughs> um, and I started using Facebook to communicate with our RAs actually, because they weren't checking their email as much. But then we created a, a departmental page and started communicating with students on campus, uh, particularly before they would even move in. And I think it was really great that I happened to be in university housing at that point in time, because that's one part of the campus that students really want to connect with before they get to school. So we had the opportunity to do some great community building activities, organize events just through Facebook for students to meet when they were coming on campus for orientation. Um, And really, that kind of kicked off a lot of institutional social media at UW-Milwaukee. And then shortly thereafter, we started getting on Twitter and doing some proactive searches and doing um, customer service and involvement communication there. And I was fortunate enough to be able to start talking with um, folks from around campus, including um, information technology and the marketing communications office at the campus level and started to develop the campus level strategy as a group with those folks in 2010. And since then, they've hired for the position, they've done really great, but right about the time that they were starting to develop a campus-level stra- strategy, I got an opportunity to move on to a director-level position. So in, in 2010, I left UW-Milwaukee and moved down I-94 to UW-Waukesha, which oh. is a two-year campus in the UW system. It's Waukesha, not Waukesha or Waukesha. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, if you see it, it's very hard to say. Um But it is a freshman, sophomore campus that uh, students would go to and then be able to transfer to any school in the four-year system. And there I was the director of university marketing and communications. And social media was only about 10% of my duties, but it was specifically in the job description, so that was what... Uh, attracted me there and I really learned a lot there about you know the campus level management of social media but also we got into paid advertising on Facebook when I was in that position because we had such a limited budget and we were working with a very small geographical area for recruitment so Hmm. it just seemed to fit us there and I started um, writing and blogging about that work I was doing and that was before a lot of campuses were doing Facebook ads But also in that job, um, since I was the director of the entire marketing communications office, I also learned about PR and crisis management and connecting marketing goals with enrollment management goals, and there was a lot to do on that very small campus. Uh, So I learned a lot there, and I was there about two years. And then I was um, asked to apply for my current position at Great Lakes, which is a federal student loan servicer. And I started there in December of 2012 as their social media strategist because they had identified social media as an area they needed to pay attention to but didn't necessarily know what to do. So they hired me to create the program from scratch, which was a really exciting opportunity. And for my first year there, My work was focused on building platforms that were meant to communicate with college students that had student loans serviced through Great Lakes to help them learn a little bit about their loans while they were still in school so it wasn't such a surprise and shock once they graduated. Mm -hmm. So we were trying to create early engagement. So I'm still working with the same population but with a very um, different goal. And then over time, that position evolved, and I was able to hire somebody to help me do that, and we split the role of my team to also include market research. So recently, uh, we've been continuing to grow the social media program, but we're also Uh, The ones tasked with measuring all of our marketing efforts, including social media and doing some customer outreach and market research, but taking all that data and tying it back to our business objectives. So I've really started to become a a data nerd, which fits well because I'm also doing that for my graduate work. Um, But I I feel like I'm sort of an essay outsider. I, I had my roots in student affairs and I still work with students every day online. It's just in a completely different capacity at this point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's sort of, sort of like, I was uh, just perusing your LinkedIn profile to sort of get a general idea of like, uh, the sort of roles that you've been in. And, and yeah, it's like you, you are still sort of loosely coupled to the system as not as if you've detached completely. Like you obviously like just sort of, uh, like a lot of great new companies, like are sort of a lot of, you know, ed tech companies or just other sort of, uh, uh, folks just sort of providing services and different things and sort of just tangentially and loosely coupled to the higher ed system. So, um, yeah, cause I feel like I've seen that, which is a completely different topic, but just to sort of get the thought out, I guess, of just, um, like, a lot of, the, like, financial aid servicers and stuff, and I've seen uh, some companies that, like, really do have sort of slick presentations and uh, obviously I think is um, really imperative for them is to really communicate well with the people that are either they're, they're servicing the loans for or the stuff that you're sort of doing to kind of proactively educate people so they aren't surprised, so... Um, that is really cool stuff. That's just something that's definitely was like a blind spot for me that, you know, that stuff even happened, but it makes sense. Like it kind of, it fits in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, yeah, you're, uh, do sort of to, uh, finish your essay doc work soon, correct?
1: I' better. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually I just got the email today with the contact information for my pilot study and my dissertation study. So at this point in time, unless there is a huge roadblock, I will be completing the pilot this month, going to proposal in March, collecting data in April, and then getting done as fast as humanly possible. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Well, yeah, good. Best of luck with that. That's very, very exciting. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Um, So you already uh, kind of captured some of it, I guess, of what you sort of do in this new role. Um, What else, I guess, sort of uh, day to day do you do? Or maybe um, if you want to combine sort of the day to day minutiae with sort of the bigger picture stuff that you do in your role?
1: Sure. Um, So now I'm managing a team of three uh, for the social media and market research team at Great Lakes. And my staff uh, consists of a social media specialist, uh, marketing analyst, and then a social media and market research specialist who kind of puts her toe in both sides of the water. Um, So I I manage that group, but... um, for my work day to day, I'm helping build the overall strategy of social media, looking ahead to campaign level activity. So we're looking at things we might be doing to increase our reach and our size of our audience, whether that's through, um, you know, uh, an organic email campaign, or through paid advertising on those networks. Um, I also spend some time Working towards bigger promotions, we did our first sweepstakes in September last Mm -hmm. year, and we're hoping to do a couple more this year. And then um, there's also, you know, just the regular old work of making sure I'm tracking our growth and planning for that from a staffing perspective. And then on the other side of things, I spend a lot of time now in the measurement space, whether that's measuring digital or measuring any other type of communication. So we are really working to build a framework where we have a very clear objective for every single piece of communication we send out. And we know how that connects to higher corporate objectives and then gathering all the right data from all the right people to not only know what is normal, but if we're seeing a change and if we decide to make a change, seeing if that change worked or not. And all of those things seem very basic, but the more I talk to folks that work in higher ed or in, corp- in corporations, it's the basic stuff that tends to get skipped over. <laughs> so yeah. we're, we're spending a lot of time going back to basics on our team and um, making sure that everyone has the basis of data to make decisions. Um, all the meanwhile, managing this the, the social media program, making sure we know what's going on, you know, in the... The general online world and conversations about us and jumping into those conversations to help folks as soon as possible. But a lot of the day-to-day social stuff, thankfully, is handled by some of my rock star staff right now because it was getting a little overwhelming for one person.
0: Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I feel like that's something in my brain that's, uh, you know, sort of legitimizes, I guess, cause I think a lot of people sort of, uh, might scoff at social media or think that it's, or have a completely different idea of what it is capable of, or the potent- potential that it has or, uh, what have you. But, um, just all like what I keep hearing you saying about sort of like analytics and data and like outcomes and goals and, uh, just tracking metrics and all that kind of stuff, like that just like legitimizes... It's so much in my head because you can track all this stuff so well and really understand, you know, how students and constituents and whoever uh, folks are sort of reaching out to, like how they're sort of imbibing what you're putting out there, and like, are they clicking, and what are they clicking, and you know, how long they're spending on pages, or what are they sort of, uh, how, what do they react to, and those sort of things. So, um, yeah, I feel like that's almost more of what that is or should be, rather than just like, I don't know, something more, I guess shallow, some people might say, or more sort of uh, needless or frilly, because I think a lot of people just don't put the necessary energy into it or ne- the necessary resources or really measure the metrics and things because, um, I don't know, I guess yeah, I guess it's such a new thing they don't think of it as legitimate as some of the older, more traditional means of communication and whatnot.
1: Yeah, I've, I've really gotten on the measurement soapbox lately, um, partly because I've had the opportunity to design and teach a course specifically about social media wow. measurement for higher ed. Um, but it, it's become so clear that whether folks are doing good things or not, a lot of people haven't laid the basic groundwork as to why they're doing it and if it's working, and Again, social is so trackable in so many different ways, particularly if you combine it with web analytics, that it's, it's just something that if you want to be able to show that your work matters, you've really got to be paying attention to it at this point, I mm, think.
0: Definitely. Um, and yeah, maybe just real quick before we sort of move on, um, what sort of big differences or small differences do you see just um, from the work you're doing now from uh, the work that you did inside the higher ed system?
1: Sure. Um, Well, for sure things seem to move a lot faster now that I'm off of a campus and I I feel like that's probably because we're not tied to an annual calendar. I felt like when I was in higher ed, there was always the type of work that you would start at a certain type of year. And now it's just like, well, do you have an idea? Can we? Do we have resources? Can we make it happen? And it doesn't matter if it's the middle of summer or September. Uh-huh. Um, everything can happen kind of around the same time. So things do seem to move faster, although no matter where you're at, fast is relative. So people will still think that it's slow. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I definitely feel more pressure to tie my work, particularly the social media work, to business goals um, and all of our marketing to business goals. And I I think that's something that is definitely trickling down to higher ed too, particularly as you see some of the senior leadership on some campuses being brought in from outside of higher ed. and with, you know, funding pressures that are happening mm-hmm. all over the place, I'm sure that's going to continue to happen in higher ed. But I, I saw it immediately um, when I jumped to the private sector. And then there's, you know, there's little things like I don't go outside during the day anymore. When I was on campus, <laughs> I'd walk between buildings all the time. <laughs> and my parking is free.
0: That's there you go. Exciting.
1: Yeah.
0: I guess, yeah, it's just like, it's just funny, like little things like that too, that you realize uh, Cause I like doing that. I'm just like, even if I don't have to, I'll just like take a walk around campus and like, oh, there's students everywhere. And like, it's just, you kind of get that energy and stuff, but. Um, yeah,
1: definitely nobody under the age of 22 in the building. Lots of cubes. Um, <laughs> so it, it's very, very corporate feeling. But, um,
0: yeah, no people frolicking out on the quad, you know, <laughs> like throwing a fishery around. Just like. <laughs> we
1: do have a very small quad, I oh, guess you uh, could call it, but yeah. there is no frolicking in it.
0: No so. hacky sack or anything? Like, no.
1: <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, all right, well, so sort of the move on. You, you, We've obviously sort of seen you have a lot of knowledge. You've worked a lot of um, for a lot of years in this space and communication and social media. Um, so recently you released a book that was sort of just outlining a lot of what you've learned in terms of just, um, sort of putting it out there in clear strategies and sort of tips and tricks for folks to, um, put into their systems and organizations. Uh, I'm just curious, cause I think it's one of those things that, um, a lot of people, if, if it's not exactly writing a book, but, um, it is just one of those things that I think is just like on people's bucket list or it's like, oh, I want to do that or I should do that. or um, So it's just one of those things that I think a lot of people want to try and get to and they don't or uh, for whatever reason. But um, so what led to you sort of like getting over the hump to actually do it and um, maybe just some uh, anecdotes from the whole process of the you know, genesis of the idea to the uh, launch of the book?
1: Yeah, so um, when I was writing the book, I didn't know I was writing a book. I, um, I actually had been asked to draft a chapter for a book that one of my mentors was writing. And that chapter was about the, the role that social media played in recruitment and branding and higher right. education. And I spent a lot of time on the chapter, um, you know, tried, tried to get some different perspectives in there um, and threw a lot of words on paper. And then found out that that chapter was going to end up on the cutting room floor after it was edited because it just didn't fit with the tone of the book. So, you know, I stuck my tail between my legs and was sad for a little while and then realized that I was sitting on a piece of work that people probably wanted to read. Um, So I I took that and I, I refocused the chapter into what I felt I was absolutely best qualified to write about. And I ended up writing an overview of everything I've learned from building a social media plan at two campuses and then at my current company. Um, I was excited to do it because it literally took me the last five years to learn all of this. I learned it from trial and error, from helpful friends, from attending a lot of great conferences and training events, but there was no one place I could go to read the book on how to do it in higher ed, so I figured I should make the book. Um, and, And for a while, you know, it was you know, books in, in a lot of people's heads are really long, verbose things, and, and you've read my book, you know it's not particularly long, but I wanted it to be particularly helpful and easy to understand. Mm-hmm. So once once I had the text, it was actually, um, you know, I tapped my network and I got a former student employee to do the design of it, and I got a colleague to do the copy editing and figured out a way to easily sell it online, and voila, an e-book was born. So. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, because it, it, I enjoyed that it was so sort of concise and everything, that's just how my brain is, and like I write very concisely, and I always, like, sort of, like, I, I don't have anything more to say. Like, I'm not going to write any more than I have to, sort of thing. So I appreciate it. it. was, like, I think that was part of why I enjoyed it so much, is that it was so sort of uh, straightforward and to the point, and just had a lot of great sort of actionable stuff. So, um, man, it just seems like I'm just really, like, inspired, I guess, by so many people that have just sort of taken to independently releasing an ebook online. And um, there's just a lot of neat stuff where you can sort of just see people's authentic voice kind of come through. And it's just, you know, it's quicker and um, usually a lot cheaper than um, some major publishing books. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just grateful for you to write. And I'm glad that you know you're able to get it out into the world it's it's good stuff and uh yeah we'll definitely link to it specifically in the show notes so folks can check it out well if um, if
1: ama hadn't written her book the eyes have it i never would have thought to publish it on my own so right. thank you to ama for self-publishing a book that everyone else could be inspired by
0: right yeah yeah i mean it, it i think she really did i think it kind of light a fire under a lot of people because uh, i know patrick love released uh, he released a job searching book and i'm sure a it's lot really
1: of... good i reviewed a few chapters
0: there you go yeah <laughs> like I, i'm sure a lot of other uh, other books are cooking right now and uh, ready to be released so um, yeah let's just say uh, it's really cool so um, you know sort of in that in that vein or in that sort of uh, thought um, what are sort of if you had to sort of capture just really simple um, tips that you would give to people that they that could sort of put into practice tomorrow or sort of bring up at their next meeting uh, what would you encourage for uh, folks that are maybe um, you know they're just sort of the person that has de facto, you know, gotten the responsibility to manage their social media, like stuff that they can do that's just sort of simple and um, can help sort of better what they're doing to get their message out there?
1: Uh, I I think the number one thing, and and I'm going to sound like a broken record on this, but number one is to know your goals and know exactly why you are in social for your department or for your campus or whatever it is you're, you're doing. I think there's too many of us that are doing social media just because we should or because we can And not necessarily because we believe it contributes to an institutional objective. Or if we do, we haven't really clearly articulated that. So I think having that elevator speech of this is what we do and here's an example of how we do it. And tying that to something that's either in your campus strategic plan or in your department's mission is something that's going to help you legitimize the work that you're doing and help you focus every day to make sure that you are truly reaching towards that goal. I, I think another thing is to not get caught up on all the new shiny stuff, um, I always, you know, there's moments where I'll feel like a bit of a fraud because someone will ask me about the new cool social network and I'll be like, yeah, I don't have time for that one. But you don't necessarily have to be the first campus that's on everything single social media network. I kind of wonder how the campuses with Lo accounts are feeling right now. (laughs) What what are they supposed to do? Um, But you do have to pay attention to trends, so if you're looking at today, early 2015, And you work with social media on a campus and you're not familiar with Yik Yak or Snapchat and can clearly articulate why you are or aren't using it, then you're sacrificing your credibility. But if something came out yesterday, you probably have better things to do (laughs) than play with what came out yesterday. And you don't necessarily need to be using the new cool thing. But once once it's garnered a critical mass, I do think you have a responsibility to know about it and know why you should be or won't be there and you know our our um, the journalists covering covering social media and higher ed and education as a whole have gotten really good at making it very clear when something is starting to create critical mass so if you're reading inside of higher ed or the chronicle you're going to know those things um, and then i think another another tip would be how to learn how to gather data that shows whether or not you're making progress towards your goals and i think a lot of people are afraid of this because they Either they don't want to know if they're not making progress to their goals, or the bigger thing is they are just they don't know where the data is and how to interpret it. And with social, you can get the majority of the data you need, if not all of the data you need for free within the platform's analytics tools. You just need to know where to look. Wow. So um, one of the really interesting conversations that's been coming up in my social media measurement class recently is that people think that others will be afraid of data and that was one theme i didn't expect to hear what was being afraid of data so if you yourself can get used to the data and then just start sprinkling out in little bits when it helps you illustrate a point you can help others get over the fear of data too and start showing folks that you can actually back up your claims of what you're doing so and i guess you know if i had to add another tip in there It's really, you know, have a plan and find your structure. I think folks that work in social media struggle when they sit down at their desk in the day and they don't know what they're supposed to be doing that day. And that's why in the book I talk about guidelines and a content calendar and a content matrix to know how you should should post things because I think that gives just a really good baseline of how to approach your work. And it's also a great hit by a bus strategy, or as my supervisor prefers to say, winning the lottery strategy. <laughs> so if if you're not there the next day and someone has to do your work, then you've built some sort of foundation that someone else can pick up and follow and isn't lost. So yeah, that's that's... That, that's probably all the free advice I can give before I start <laughs> boring people.
0: No, it's all, it's all good stuff. Yeah, because I think I've seen, um, yeah, some of those, because especially the president in my mind, it's, it's come up in past podcast episodes is um, people just getting on channel, you know, like, because I think it's the biggest one is like YouTube, like people will make a YouTube account for like an office or something. And then it's just a graveyard. It, it, like they'll, they'll advertise for it too. But it's like, they haven't posted a video since like 2013 or something. And it's just like, okay, I guess there's like something there if there's like two videos from like 2013 on there or something, but it just... Like Certain things like you need to sort of nurture that plant of a, you know, platform or something. And uh, just knowing what platforms are useful for you in terms of like what you're uh, trying, what sort of message you're trying to get out there is uh, is really good advice. And yeah, there's definitely something there, I guess, that's interesting with the uh, the fear of data. Because I think it's the same idea of like doing any sort of assessment. It almost could be like, the idea of people not going to the doctor, even though they know they need to sort of thing. It's like, well, I'd rather just like be blissfully ignorant than go to the doctor and figure out what's wrong with me and have them help me get, you know, be better. You know, like they'll just be like, I'm just going to ignore the data so I can just be like blissfully ignorant and be like, everything's fine. Everything's great. Everything's just like perfect right now. Even though like you could find out, like, find out what you're doing well and what you need to work on and then do better at that thing that you need to work on sort of thing. Like, um, I don't know. I, I, It it is really interesting that people would like almost fear data because it's like I feel like it's it's helpful and it's it's objective, I guess. And you can sort of like nothing's absolute either. Like you can sort of understand with there's like ebbs and flows or something of especially sort of with the academic calendar or other things going on. You can sort of understand, you know, if there's some sort of thing that you might be worried about.
1: Yeah, I think I had the fear of data beat out of me in the first year of my doctoral program. And I forgot what it's like to be a normal person. (laughs)
0: I feel like I get that sort of vibe, I guess, because I just like just from Twitter and just random updates from people who are like in their essay doc, you know, they're just, you know, they go crazy with it because they're just having to gather all of it and analyze all of it and sort of, you know, synthesize it all and stuff. It's just just like dreaming about numbers and, you know, like making connections <laughs> or something <laughs> like. um Yep. Yeah. Um so just to sort of uh, get some people, if they're sort of uh, more visual, or you, want, you know, kind of see, what, uh, see places that do it well, um, do you have any uh, examples off the top of your head of um, examples of institutions or departments or uh, different places that just do social well that could be good sources of inspiration for folks?
1: Yeah. Um, so I, um, part of my job that I didn't really talk about much earlier is that I do a little bit of work with financial aid offices on campuses, helping them with their social media. So I, I see a lot of what that particular department is doing around the country. And I always like to give a shout out to my friends at Mizzou and Michigan State in the financial aid offices. They are doing really cool, fun stuff um, from Free Money Fridays, posting scholarships to doing open office hours on Twitter. And they're making kind of like a really potentially complicated process a lot easier for students. So I really like what they're doing. And I, I think that's too often we're giving shout-outs to the campus-level folks and not the department-level folks. So those guys are really good. Um, just today I had the opportunity to see a presentation from... Um, the the Ohio State University, about what they're doing to quantify their social media. And they've come up with some really cool metrics that um, take the guesswork out of what's happening in social media and put it in a way that a president or a board of directors could find. Um, So if you search Twitter for the hashtag H-E-A-15, Higher Ed Analytics 15, you might be able to see a little bit of that from the presentation that came out today. That was cool. Um, and that's more behind the scenes stuff. And along that same vine, vein, Keith Hannon at Cornell is doing really great measurement and ROI tracking for alumni development. So I like those folks that are that are putting the data uh, right out front and center. Some other cool stuff I've been made aware of recently is the, um, the things West Virginia University is doing with Snapchat. Um, they've got some pretty cool campaigns around game day and other campus pride activities that made me think that Snapchat could actually be an institutional communication tool. I was a little skeptical for a while. and then another conference presentation I saw recently was something that Lori Packer at, in Rochester has been doing for a long, long time, uh, for years, I think. Um, but she's kind of made their homepage social, and they, they take their homepage and they dedicate it to a uh, student photo for Fan Photo Fridays and use that to share out on social media. Um, so they've kind of integrated their campus homepage with social in a way that I think is pretty innovative. Um, you know, And there's plenty of other campuses out there doing really great things, but... I don't necessarily think those guys get talked about enough, so I wanted to give them some credit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, yeah, we'll try to get uh, links out to all that stuff so sh- folks can check it out. Um, but, yeah, as we wrap up here, why don't you just uh, share some final thoughts as we uh, wrap up this episode?
1: Well, I'm really excited that you had me on. Thank you, Dustin. Um, and, and I think it's pretty clear that what I'm preaching at this point is that, you know, social is it's integrated into marketing now. It is a legitimate channel and we need to treat it that way. So I'm really excited to see higher ed continue to evolve in the way they tie their social media work to institutional objectives and then the way they gather data to measure that and, and have a plan with a solid framework that can carry through from department to department or across campus. Um, and I'm just really excited to be able to contribute to that conversation and I think we'll all be better for it
0: absolutely i shared a lot of great stuff and uh encourage folks to follow up with liz if they want to keep the conversation going we'll have all our uh social uh, media platform accounts and stuff in the uh, show notes and um, definitely check out the book that we'll have uh, linked there as well and uh liz thank you so much for taking time out of your day to chat with us and i'll uh, talk to you later
1: all right thank you dustin all right bye bye
0: Thank you so very, very much for listening to this awesome episode of the Student Affairs Spectacular Podcast. Now, we'd appreciate it if you click on over to the iTunes store and leave us a rating and review for this podcast. It helps us reach a wider audience and helps more people hear all the awesome things we talk about every single week. So we really appreciate it. Just leave a rating review and we will see you next time on the Student Affairs Spectacular Podcast.